Welcome to Fangirl Happy Hour. This week, we're going to discuss Binti by Nnedi Okorafor, look back at 2015 to talk about the pop culture that we missed, and then dig into season two of Agent Carter and its recent two-hour premiere. I'm Renee, and I'm here with my fellow fangirl, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi, hello. <laughs> I love that you answer the phone like that. It's beautiful. I was just telling Renee that um, one of my colleagues told me that I always answer the phone at work the same way. And I always go, hi, hello, this is Anna. And they asked me, why do I say hi and hello? And I said, I have no idea. I never even noticed that I do that. So apparently I do this thing. It's super, super cute. I and never now, want you to I, quit. I am gonna, I'm going to be super conscious, super self-conscious now forever. That's ruined for me. Now I need to pay attention how to I answer the phone again. No, you just need to purposefully do it. Be like, hi, hello, this is Anna. Like, do it on purpose because it's so cute. I would be so tickled if I got a phone call and somebody answered it like that. Should I? Okay. Do you know what? Positivity 2016. No you fucks absolute... 2016, exactly. Anna. No fucks 2016. You are absolutely right. This should be a thing. Hi, hello, everybody. So we have some business today. We launched some new social media based on our survey responses. We now have a Goodreads page. You can go and follow us on Goodreads to see us rate things. Just ignore the stars and assume that everything is rated in space bees. Yes, please. We also have a newsletter, which is not normal, I guess, because newsletters are a thing that are generally annoying like we don't want them we like unsubscribe how did i get subscribed to this mess but oh, no really i love new newsletters no really like the more people i talk to about newsletters they're like no no they're awful i'm like oh well wow. my newsletter is going to be cool we're going to create a super cool newsletter for our podcast it's gonna i'm have... so excited about this and i know that you are super excited about yes it, i'm excited so, yes. to get to write a newsletter i subscribe to a bunch of newsletters and i think they're really cool and i want to do one of my own but i know i don't have enough time so i'm just going to do everything i want to do in my own newsletter in the finger happy hour newsletter Fantastic. Uh, you're welcome there's going to be like lots of cool things like extra recs and links and shenanigans you can go to our website and subscribe we also are doing a giveaway. Finally, our anniversary Yay! giveaway. Yay! Where we're going to give away a signed copy of Anne Leckie's trilogy featuring Ancillary Justice, Ancillary Sword, and Ancillary Mercy. I'm really excited about this giveaway. It's super cool. There's also pins. There's pins. So to enter the giveaway, you just go to the blog post uh, on our website for this episode and you'll see at the bottom of the post you'll see the giveaway and it's a form just fill out your name and an email address and you have multiple chances of entering the giveaway and by you know going to goodreads and subscribing to the newsletter and so on and so forth so basically doing... we just want to become the center of your social media life that's basically, all it's really basically. not a big deal it's small World small domination. request world domination yeah, you know request. us you know it's coming so why you know resist? why resist yeah why resist basically it's no, futile and the last thing is that i have a friend his name is chris and i retweeted this on twitter but i thought i would mention it here too and include a link because i think it's like really sweet what he's doing so his father has cancer which is very sad and i've known chris for a really long time since i first joined the book blogging community actually 
And he was one of the first book bloggers to be really kind to me. And so he's doing this project for his father to cheer him up, to keep him positive, to keep him going. Because, you know, fighting cancer is really hard. And he set up this little site so he can have people send his father things like letters and cards and cute stuff to cheer him up. And it's kind of like a GoFundMe, but for, like, happiness. And it's not actually giving people funds. It's just sending positive things to him so he can give them to his dad. And I love this idea. I think this is so... It's so Chris. It's so sweet. It's and so nice! Yeah, it's so great. And I just thought that I needed to mention it. So in case that... If you like writing letters or sending cute stuff in the mail to people who it's going to really brighten their day, then you should give it a shot. I'm going to include the link in our show notes so you can go and check it out and read what Chris has to say about it. Ah, oh, that's so nice, Renee. A little bit sad, but yeah. touching. But he's not, he's, you know, he's fighting. He's, he's keeping keeping things going. And so yeah. a little bit of positivity can't hurt. I mean, no, I've gone... absolutely. I've gone through cancer before with my mother and... It's just a shitty disease that is shitty. It, mm. It's shitty. I don't know how there's mm. no else where, well, other way to say it. It's the worst. And it's different for everybody and everybody has to deal with it differently. But I think this is just a great, thoughtful thing that Chris is doing for his dad. And I would like to support him. Listeners, just check out the link if you have any interest. That's cool. Thanks for mentioning that. You're welcome. And now it's time to get into the actual episode. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bindi by Nnedi Okorafor is a tour novella published in 2015 and tells the story of Binti, who leaves her family to go to university across space. Anna, you read this story last year, right? I did, and it was one of my top 10 books of 2015. And I didn't get to it until this year, but I loved it. It was so good. It was amazing. Short but not too short, if you know what I mean. It's it was a novella. Like a, yeah, it was like, I think it was just right. Yeah, it was a perfect length. Although, I will say that I would read a bunch more about her oh, friendship yeah. with Oku. Yes. One of the characters. Because I thought that it was just, world was just so rich and had so much depth to it in a really short amount of space. I think that is true of everything about that novella. The, the depth of what she did there in terms of the world that she presented, the identity politics that she presented, the conflicts that she presented. Like, there's an interplanetary conflict that is solved within those pages. Also To an by... extent that felt really well done. Also by a black girl, which I think is notable. Absolutely, Especially yes. now that we're having a lot of conversations about race and pop culture and how... We see diversity happening, but we're also we're often missing black girls and women. They're just not in our stories very much. And I thought that this story is definitely a, a the story of a black girl triumphing. It's yes, it has a happy ending. Although I think some people might be like argue that it's more like a bittersweet ending. I thought it was a happy ending. Yeah, me too. But I would just think that I've read some reviews, and some of the people that review it kind of leave it going. Oh, well, yeah, I guess that's okay. Like, it wasn't happy enough for them. All right. Okay. And so, that's that's all right. Everybody reads it differently. But yeah, I got a definitely, like, super optimistic, happy vibe from the end of the story. Yes, I did too. Especially considering what what came first and what was the main conflict of the story. I thought it was the ending that it deserved, the ending that I wanted, and 
and it worked really well. So maybe it's worth then introducing to our listeners who haven't read the, no the novella what the plot's about. Just very briefly, it's about a young girl. She's from Namib in Africa, and she's from um, a people called the Himba. They are actually real people in Namibia. And she comes from this cultural background, and it's a very traditional background, and she feels very deeply that it is who she is, being of that people. But within the context of this story, they stick to one place, and she just wants to go and do other stuff at university. And she's a really good mathematician, and she wants to explore that, and she wants to go further. So she's the first of her people to go to university in space, might I add, because everything is better in space. So she takes this ship to go to university, and then something really, really horrible happens, and she comes in contact with an alien civilization that hates humans. It's also worthwhile to point out that in the story, the Himba, even now, the women are known for covering themselves in a material called ojize. It's like a red clay that's ground up from a specific type of rocks, and it's mixed with butterfat and like some fragrances, and they rub it all over their bodies, and they coat their hair in it, and it's a way to look attractive, and it's a cultural thing for the Himba. And she's going into space away from her planet. Like, it's the stuff is made on her planet. And she's brings a jar of it with her. And it's really great how her cultural identity and this jar of something that represents her and her culture becomes integral to the way the story resolves itself. Exactly, yes. And the way that she's connected to it as well, because you, you feel the tension throughout the story because the more the time passes the less she has left of this thing because she's been using it and she only has a limited amount and she doesn't know whether she will ever be able to make that thing again that is so hard that is just so part of her and i think at this point we should probably warn for some spoilers yeah so if you haven't read it it's not very long you can buy it online it's part of Tours novella initiative and it's not very expensive so i definitely recommend checking it out so anna in the story she takes a shower once right yeah I think and she so. cries the whole time and because i didn't know a lot about the himba i did eventually go and research and figure out what was going on it's because the himba people now they they owe the women apparently only and i don't know how accurate this is now because i don't know how old like the research i read was they don't shower except on their wedding day, and then they don't shower at all. It's the clay that they use. That's it's, the, it's, it's a cleaning thing mm -hmm. as well, yes. isn't it? It keeps them clean, and the the description of the clay is so so powerful. I really wanted to see how it smells because the way that she describes it just sounds like it's so fragrant, but in a really really good way. Mm -hmm. And I really I would really love to see how that is but it's just it's it's done and portrayed in such a positive way and you know that sometimes okay so what this book made me think about with with this whole thing with the Ochise and how she left her home to go to another place a place where people don't understand who she is and what she does it's it's no, it's it's a metaphor for immigration, and I am an immigrant, 
in this country and I have from a different I come from a different cultural background and coming here there is this huge ongoing discussion about how immigrants should behave and should do or should not do and should they should should they leave who they are behind should they bring that with them should they try to you know integrate into a society that is welcoming them how do they do that without lo losing sight of who they are and this is something that me and my partner we are always talking about because we are of course we are from brazil and we come to england and it's such a different culture it's starting you know and this is something that is always at the back of my mind and i thought and i read in this book I thought that it was so beautiful that she refused to leave who she was behind, but she also did not refuse to accept change. And I loved the way that the author embraced change in a way that didn't alter her fundamentally. When she goes off to university, she goes to Umza Uni, which the book tells us only has like a 5% human population, which actually makes the resolution of the book not anticlimactic exactly, but it changed the way when it happened, I was shocked because, because I was, I would expect something to be resolved in a more aggressive way. So what it happens is that this university has had a researcher take something from the aliens, the, Medu the Medus, and they want it back. So they attack Binti's ship that's taking her to the university so it can hide away on it. And when they open the doors, rush out and attack all the humans to take this piece of one of their leaders back. It's a piece of his body. And once Binti gets to the university and acts as a like a liaison between the Medus and the university and explains what happens. They just deliberate and go, Oh, you're right. We, no, no. we did, we did, we did, we were wrong. We mistreated you and, and that's not right. And I was just shocked. But then of course I go back and I'm like, Oh, right. 5% human population. <laughs> that's a good point. That's actually. a That's some commentary. <laughs> of course they're going to be, of course they're going to, go oh no bad researcher that was terrible that you mistreated this culture uh, like of course and of course they're going to honor what the culture wants and develop a good relationship with them because it's only five percent human <laughs> i have such a terrible like i shouldn't be made to university i i have bitterness but it's fine so i really liked that resolution because anticlimactic is not the right word but empathetic compassionate Yes, and I and didn't expect it. I did not no, expect it. It's unlike anything that we have seen. We are used to the violence, mm -hmm. but not to the mediation. We are used to we are used to seeing things being solved by killing your enemies, but not by talking to them. So, in a way, yes, I agree that it's surprising. However, I did see a couple of reviews that mentioned something that it didn't occur to me. I will admit. So what this reviewer said was that they didn't understand how things could end so peacefully when the actions of the aliens were so violent because they effectively killed everybody in Binti's ship. So they don't understand how Binti could be so forgiven, how everybody could be so forgiven, uh, considering that so many people got killed. 
would they it, be violent back? Would that it, only escalate the problem? Exactly. What is more violence going to accomplish? Because this novella is also a critique of violence as well, I think, and how it's not really a tool to solve problems. If Binti hadn't been there, I don't think the problem would have gotten solved in a way that the Medusa needed it to get solved. Binti has this thing that she, like a an artifact from her planet, an, an Idon, and it helps her. I never really could like visualize exactly what this thing was or what it was meant to be, but it helps her communicate with the Medusa in a way that she could become their liaison to talk to um, the people at the university. She uses it to show her perspective, understand their perspective. And if she hadn't been there and if she had had this one thing, like the whole situation would have just gone to hell. And then where would he have been? Like, a lot of Medusa would have died. Even more people at the university would have died. All the people on the ship would have died. And where does it end? Like, where does the killing stop at that point? Escalation, right? Exactly. So it is such a much better way of handling this. And much more clever as well. Forgiveness says, is, yeah, forgiveness is really hard. Forgiveness is not an easy, and I think a lot of times our culture kind of misses this because we can like, oh, hold them accountable about putting them like in jail or whatever. But they underestimate how powerful and transformative forgiveness itself can be and how it can help heal when punishment only serves to harden resentment. Wow, that's so deep. I disagree with that reviewer. I disagree with that as well. It made me think. It made me stop to think and to review how yes. I felt about the book. And I went through it and I think, no, I think I disagree with that. I always like to hear what other people think about things. I love the friendship and, too. Oh, the friendship was the best. I mean, I don't know. There are, there are two things that I love the most about this novella. One is the fact that it was Binti and she was by herself and she solved the problem by herself. And I kind of like imagined her as Aliens Ripley. <laughs> but she's a t- teenage black girl in space being awesome. I mean, come on. Amazing. But then the relationship as well between her and Oku, it was so adorable. And it ended, it was just so good. When she's becoming um, a liaison between the Medusa and the other the university, they do something to her, which I think is better just red. Period. And because yes. they do this thing to her, her hair changes into yes. like little tentacles, um, just like just like the Medusa, just like the Medusa. So she becomes not only human but she only also becomes part medusa like they welcome into her into their tribe and there is one thing that he tells well not he it he tells her that because she doesn't know what that means and she's really worried that he's not going to be her friend and it's kind of like really cute and she's she turns to him and she says so what does that mean then and he says and it says uh, we are now family through battle and i really liked that and- so they are not family and she was worried about not being able to make Ojize on the new planet. In the story, the Ojize has healing properties for the Medusa. They can put it on them and it'll like heal scars. And it's very integral And in the relationship between Binti and the chief of the Medusa. And when he gets his little spike, spike kind of, thing back. You know. 
he gets it back and she helps him heal. And so she was really worried about not being able to make it on the planet. So she makes some and she's really worried about it not working because what happens if it doesn't heal Oku? Like what happens if it is not healed from this new Ojize that she's made on this planet? But of course, of course, she finds that it does heal him. And it's the, it has the same properties because she's she's who she is exactly and then the story ends by her, by her calling home and her mother answering and i know the important part of that sentence is that her mother answers i know it ends just like that how what a perfect ending it was perfect i don't even know like i just i don't know i just really really love this novella i really i want this novella to win all the awards <laughs> everybody well, nominate this novella please, for the hugo and thank you I just did not expect to go into this novella coming out, like, just being so happy. Because you know how I talk about wanting more optimistic short fiction and how I have a really hard time with the free short fiction that's available being kind of a downer? Yep. This? I know. This was, like, a bomb. It was wonderful. And is that was that your first Nadia Okorafor book? It sure was. I'm real happy. I cannot wait to go and read more of Oh, you should read, you should read Lagoon next. Then it's it's also aliens and it's but it's set in Nigeria and it's a post-apocalyptic thing, but in Africa, which is different in itself because you know when aliens invade Earth, the first place they usually go is Washington D.C. for some reason. Oh God, right? Americans, stop being so conceited! <laughs> Jesus Christ, the center of the world. Why would we go? Why would they go there? They would have. They, if they were smart enough, they would know the fucking NSA would be on their ass. They would go somewhere else. <laughs> Give me a break. It's really good. I loved it. It's funny and it's uplifting. It has amazing characters. It's yeah. on my shelf, so don't worry. Excellent. If you've read Binti, what did you think? If you haven't, it is available at all book retailers as an ebook. Up next, we're going to talk about the pop culture that we missed in 2015. Obviously, there are so many hours in the day, and sometimes there are too many books and too many TV shows and too many movies to see to get to everything. Anna, what is the first item on your culture missed in 2015? All of my items are actually books because I think I watched all the TV shows and all the movies that I wanted to watch. You, pri- you prioritized year. the visual media and the books took a back seat. See maybe. how it is. <gasps> maybe. Maybe it might have been. I binge watched so much shit last you year. You really did. And now you want me to watch all of it. I'm just like, where am I supposed to get yes. the time? So my first book is Silver on the Road by Lara N. Gilman. And I've been meaning to read this author for a long, long time. And this book is fantasy, it's a western, and it's everything that I love. And it's sitting here on my shelf, and I should have read it, and I didn't. And I really wanted to get to it this year. So how about you? What's your first item? My first thing is Since 8 by Lena and Andy Wachowski. It's a TV show on Netflix that everybody last year loved a whole lot. They all loved it. Yes, yes. It was recommended by the world. But of course, I was going through a hard time at that point in the year. Thank you, anxiety and depression. And I didn't have the energy to watch it because TV takes me a lot of energy. So I missed out. But I'm going to correct it this year. I'm going to watch it this year for sure. Yes, thank you. 
So, so the, I, it was recommended by me, so that's really the only recommendation that you need I, in your I, life. I, it's true, yes. So, you know, you should get to it straight away. Yeah. What's your next so thing? My, it's Updraft by Fran Wilde. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves that book, and I, it just seems so much fun, and people flying, and I just really want to read it, and I didn't have a chance to last year and i really love fran and the way that she engages with criticism and the way that she engages with the internet and she's really cool so i really wanted to bridge that one i have that book on my shelf too yeah torsing it to me let's let's read it for the podcast okay yes let's put it let's yeah. prioritize okay. it and get it on the list yes excellent wow this is working yeah so what's your next item I'm trying to pay more attention to epic fantasy by women so it doesn't get buried. So I chose a book by Stina Light called Cold Iron. And I'm pretty sure I mentioned it either here or on Lady Business. And even though I was going to read it, I let my intent to read it get buried. (laughs) Oops. I feel really bad because it is about a brother and a sister and it just looks really neat. And I've never read anything by her. Because I didn't like the sound of her other books, which I think were like more historical. So I'm definitely going to get to this this year. I'm definitely going to do it. Even though it's huge, I'm going to do it. So my next one, it's something that I'm really ashamed of. Especially considering... Mm-hmm. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? I do. It's Black Wolves was like a Elliot. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't read this book. I just, I really can't believe it. I can't it. believe you let me like, down. I'm so sorry. MK, <laughs> M- 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 Elliot, she's been on this podcast twice. But it's, it's huge. Like, it's 800 pages. you got to give yourself a break, Anna. You were doing so much last year. You've got to give yourself a break. It's a huge book. I need to read it this year. Yes. I bow to read it this you year. You have more time because it was not oh. fair. It released in November of last year and you that have too much true. to do at the end of the year to like exactly. prioritize an 800 page book but now you have a whole year it's perfect yes i i like i like the way that you just protects and excuses my flaws and failures i, to, I, really, I really love you renee i have to we boost up your this, ego we should, we should do this more often <laughs> third is you're going to be happy lagoon by Korfor. yes everybody loved this book and then Jody sent me the beautiful version with the Joey Hi-Fi cover, because I love Joey Hi-Fi's art. And then I still didn't read it, because I'm the worst. <laughs> you, need to, you need to read it for the Hugo Awards. I know, I know. Eligible. I'm so sorry, Lagoon. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I mistreated you so bad. I'm going to get to you soon, I swear. So yeah, that was that's my third thing. So my next one is another book that you loved, and I never got around to reading it, and... I don't even know why, because I love her short fiction so much. But it's House of Shattering Wings by Aliette de Bodard. And I don't know why I didn't read it, but I didn't. You were busy. I was busy. No, no, I do have an excuse for this one. It's because of the whole thing with angels. You don't like angels? I don't like angels. How come? Is it like a religious thing? No, it's not a religion thing. It's I think it's because I read so much of it. I I read so much fiction with fallen angels, including including the Sandman series by New Gaiman. On the plus side, Lucifer. 
I don't think this is exactly the same. Uh, this is not. Tra- I wouldn't really think of this as a traditional falling angel story. Like if you just launched me into the story and didn't tell me that these characters were fallen angels, I would have. Been, I would be like, oh, if you say so, because the book's not really about that. Yeah, and it's crime as well, isn't it? I love crime fiction. Yeah, it's a little so bit like crime. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I really want to read this before the end of the year. And the sequel comes out this year, right? So I really should get to it before. Does it come out this year? I haven't heard that. What? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just... Well, if uh, if it does, somebody send me an ARC. What the hell? What's going on? (laughs) Who published this? Was it Rock? Ace? Who was it? I don't even know. We're so terrible. My God, we're like the worst. (laughs) (laughs) We're giving people lists and we're like, sorry, we don't have all the information that you need. (laughs) Oh, well... We can't be perfect all the time, Anna. Although you should. Oh, God. If we really want to be dominating the world, conquering the galaxies, and being masters of the universe, we should (laughs) really know everything. Next. Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates came out last year. Ta-Nehisi Coates is a pretty great critic. He writes about race in America. I don't know if you've read any of his work. He did a really great piece oh, on yeah. reparations. And that was like my first encounter with him as like a long form. So then this book came out and it's actually a letter to his son uh, presented as a book. And I was doing a reading challenge in 2015 where I only read women and he was a man. And of course my rules didn't allow for it. So this is where I got really down on exclusive reading challenges because... Like, what was my choice? I really want to read this book. I could make an exception, but then I've, like, technically failed. Whatever. I was really upset. So I just convinced myself not to read it until this year. So I'm definitely reading it this year. And I'm never doing an exclusive reading challenge ever again. <laughs> Next is not one particular thing. It's more of a general idea. Oh. When I was doing our stats for the book smugglers toward the end of the last year, I came to a sudden realization that I hadn't read a lot of children's books. And this is something that I love. It's something that I want to read more of. And it's actually something that brings a lot of hate to the blog. This is very important to me. So I made a point that this year I'm going to read a lot more of Kidlet middle grade children's books. Go back. What do you mean it brings a lot of hate to the blog? Lot hits. Hits. Oh, I was going to be like, wait a second, who's coming at you and who do I need to go after? No, 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 not hate. Hits. Like, the good type of hits. Like, visitors. (laughs) Visitors. I think it's like, I think it's the kids doing homework. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah, they find us like... They, they, they leave comments in our middle grade reviews. But what is this book about? You didn't say anything about this character. Can you, can you confirm if this character is still alive at the end of the book? And I'm like, kid, go read the freaking book, my friend. Oh, I did that so much in high, like, I did that so much in high school. I mean, I didn't leave comments, but, like, I'd be like, I don't want to fucking read another novel by goddamn Steinbeck. I'm so, I'm done. I'm done. I'm finished. I can't handle this. Well, but you know, it's really interesting because all of these books are new. I'm not. I'm not talking about like classics or anything. I'm talking about new kid lit books. They don't yeah. even know how good they have it. You damn youth. Exactly. I know. I know. So you go read the books, little kids. 
children. We just became old. Good I job. Just wa- I just want your hits, not hate. Your hits. I was so con- I was so concerned. I'm like, what do you mean? I want to beat somebody up for you. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. So, last one. Half Resurrection Blues by Daniel Jose Older. He writes the Bone Street Rumba series. I really love Daniel Jose Older's criticism and his nonfiction writing and his really straightforward approach to dealing with being marginalized as a writer. And basically, if you want to read some of the greatest clapbacks in the world, you just need to follow him on Twitter, period. So I wanted to check him out as a fiction writer, too. I noticed he had this book coming out, so I put it on my list, and I've waited so long to read it that the sequel, Midnight Taxi Tango, is also out. So, I mean, on the plus side, if I like it, the sequel's right there, but on the other side, Renee, why didn't you just read it when it came out? You're so irresponsible. (laughs) It's really good. So the first one, I had one major criticism, and I know that he took that on board because he's a great guy, and I'm, well... I'm not saying that he took my criticism about it, but it's a criticism that a lot of people had. And he took that on board and he addressed those issues in this second book and it's beautiful. That's really great. So, so it's even better. I appreciate it even more. I Like you, I really like the things that he has to say and the way that he approaches problems in KidLit and SFF and in everything in publishing. He's funny. He's really As funny. Hell. He's so funny. I love when he just uses gifts on his on his Twitter feed. It's like, and he just leaves the gifts. It's just, <laughs> it's a gift. It's a gift to mankind. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you need, if yeah. you want the greatest visual clapbacks in the world, you just need to follow him on Twitter. Absolutely, it's so good. So yeah, so I'm loving the second book. I'm reading this, and I'm thinking maybe this will be the new October Day series for me. You haven't even finished the current October Day series, Anna. I know. Oh, man. Why You're fired. Oh, shit. You've got to read both. I'm so sorry. It's okay. So those are some of the things that we missed in 2015. If you have read any of them, did you like them? If you have your own culture that you completely failed to get to, what was it? Moving on to Agent Carter Season 2, Episode 1. There was... Recently, a two-hour premiere, and Peggy's back! Hooray! I'm so happy. In this season, she has gone to L.A. to work in the West Coast SSR office with Chief Souza. Anna, what did you think about this (laughs) change? It gave the show a different beat, that change. And it felt to me more like a comedy than the drama from the first season. Did you feel it like this as well? Yeah, the first episode definitely felt more comedic. There were more like comedic right? moments. It sort of evened out in the second episode. Yeah, I think so. And I'm, the first, the first one was very oh, what is what? I know it was a very what? it was a tone shift, right? And I think what's what's happening here? That was on yeah. purpose because they're like deliberately moving her from New York to LA. They want to like have a certain vibe to the show because they want to let the viewer know that we've changed venues and the best way to do that is also to change what the tone. yeah change the tone and the some somewhat mixed genres up and so i thought that was kind of neat although a little jarring but i liked it i went into this episode going okay i'm just gonna keep my expectations you know mellow not gonna get too overexcited <laughs> and of course they were they were met i was really happy except for like one criticism 
Oh, you do have a criticism. I do have a criticism. So just oh. FYI, guys, we are spoiling this episode. So if you have not oh, watched yeah. it, you should get on that. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah. So what's your criticism? Hold on. We do. We both really loved it, right? Yes, we did. Okay. Fine. That's it. Then go criticism. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm so curious to see what you're gonna say because I have a couple, and I don't know if it's gonna be the same. So we talked about Diversify Agent Carter, that little movement that happened. We talked about it with Ira on a podcast last year. I was hoping that the writers would take into account a lot of the criticisms that the movement had made. And I guess they did. Like They added a few writers, and there's a character who's black on the show. But yeah, there's one character. Yeah. My problem... Black. Of the entire show. Is the background, <laughs> right? That's what I was looking for. I was like, did you like, pay attention to the background characters? It's all white everywhere. Exactly. Apart from this one place where they go, there is a place for black people. And I know that there's some reasoning for it. Obviously, you're dealing with a lot of racial tension. But I also think that there are ways to shoot a show that where your background characters just aren't all... White people, like what's what's happening? That's my like that's my biggest and probably my only like real criticism because everything else I didn't mind. And it's like you are still dealing with a show that has people being frozen, and you have scientific shenanigans and physics stupid things that are not scientific at all, and then you decide to make that one thing really realistic. So you get the segregation really heavy-handed. And part of me is like, okay, so we don't want to make that story invisible and we don't want to deny or negate that part of the history. At the same time, we could have gone with in a different direction to just have people of color just being there, right? Mm-hmm, I agree. The background is how... I sort of gauge movies these days. Like, obviously, a lot of people are putting more people in the forefront. But I think that you get a better read on what those people think about diversity if you look at the background. If you look at their extras. Who are the extras in scenes where white people are at the forefront? Who are the extras when the white women are centered on the screen? Who are the extras in the background of the media that we watch because that tells you way more about the values that these people making this show have and I'm trying to be fair because we're only two episodes in you could change yeah things could change drastically there's probably stuff we haven't seen so I'm not gonna like flat out judge them until I've seen the whole series but I really think that the people who dropped the series because of the whiteness that's inherent don't need to come back because I still think there's a huge problem that they haven't adequately addressed in these first two episodes. Yes, and then in the end of the second episode, you have the one black dude, and he's possibly dead now. So, I really, I don't think, I don't think I don't he's think dead. He is no, I don't think he is. But he'll be, he'll be gone from at least a couple of episodes. So here's so what. That, so there's your diversity gone in one clean swipe. So and here's why I don't think he's dead because I don't think they could be that. Oh my god, no, right? They, Ignorant. No, no, I don't yeah. think they could... I don't think they would do it. I really... Because obviously, we see that Whitney survives, and she's got some of the stuff on her face, and yeah. some of the, like, the zero-point goo, which I didn't... Okay. <laughs> Science! 
And so I'm not, like, I'm convinced that it's a comic book death, as these shows tend to do. And so I'm just really convinced that he's going to show up. But yeah, like, why... Why not have one other person? This is a scarcity problem again. Why not have one other person of color? Anybody. Jarvis is so cool. Why can't his wife be a person of color? Well, I guess because they set it up that she was being targeted by Nazis in the first season. So now they want to be consistent. But I'm just like, okay. Well, but you know, people people of color were targeted. Yeah. But so I guess, I mean, I guess I'm just guessing about what their motivations might be. I don't know. There's no but yeah, there's a lot of w- new white women on the show. Like they're all lots and lots and lots of them, and, and they all look wonderful. the same. And I was confused. They are all very blonde. Yeah, like I was so confused because they look the same. I couldn't tell I mean, the girlfriend it's... Violet and Whitney Frost apart. No, and I felt terrible. And Whitney Frost looks a little bit like Dottie as well. Uh huh. Yeah, but Dottie dyed her hair brown. So I was, I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because I would have probably got you confused, too. I mean, in a way, it's wonderful to have all of these female characters and the way that they were introduced. And, for example, you have Sousa's girlfriend and the secretary. What's her name? I cannot remember the name of the secretary. And they are super cool. And even though Peggy kind of, like, had a thing with Sousa she and the girlfriend don't become instant rivals. They actually become really good friends or sort of friendly really fast. And I really like to see that. And I really like to see Dottie as well and the way that she just, you know, zero in on Peggy and made Peggy like her arch nemesis. That whole scene, I'm like, oh my God. That whole scene, I'm like, guys, 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 guys. This is so gay. This is so gay. (laughs) What are you doing? Are you... this? I literally at this moment had like a supernatural slash Dean Winchester moment where I was like, God, I don't know what you guys are trying to act like, but this is fucking gay. I don't like, cause you know, with sometimes with supernatural, I'm just like, Jensen Ankles, did you, do you know how you play this character? Because that's gay. Okay. And that's the, that's the feeling I had during that interrogation scene. I'm like, whoa. Oh my God. So much. I was like, there is so much sexual chemistry in this room. Were you doing this on purpose? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe they were. But, yeah. I was actually worried because I read an article about the love triangle that they're going to do, apparently. Oh, no. Do you know, that that is my other criticism of the show. I thought there was so much romance in this. And all of a sudden, Peggy is like, why can't she just be punching things? Exactly. She needs a hobby. She needs a hobby. Why does she have to be... Like pining after Susa and then crying over Jason, and it's like, didn't didn't we just go through this with Captain America? Well, it's I been mean, a while, and I mean, obviously, I know, she doesn't want to be alone. But I no, really think it was. I thought it was too much. Yeah, it was too, too much. Handed. Too soon. What are you doing? And I guess they just did it so they could set up the love triangle. I don't know. I was just like, I don't... Oh, love triangles are the worst. I hate them so much. Oh, no, I'm not excited either. <laughs> so, oh <my> <laughs> and it's like I really, I was really into the Susan Peggy. Can I just a brief aside here? To say Susan is so weird to me because Souza is a Brazilian surname, and why is it Susan? 
It's because Sosa. he came to America, and we can't pronounce the names, Anna. It's Souza. We 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 learn how to say words by sounding them out from like paper, and then we're bad at it because we 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 hate vowels. We hate them. We put them <laughs> through some shit. I think that he's Portuguese. He's of Portuguese descent, so I'm just gonna say Souza. So I I was into Souza and Peggy's relationship last. Like, season not so much this one because i really don't care it's, it's it is a double triangle because it's him his girlfriend and peggy and then peggy him and jason and so basically it's worse it's worse and and even with the whole thing with jarvis as well didn't you think that was a weird thing happening there i'm not sure what was going on like maybe they were deliberately like showing that anna jarvis was not like the threatened by Peggy's presence or threatened Maybe, by her relationship the, with Jarvis but that is not how it came off at all it came off no. of like really like there was something between them especially in that fight scene when he fell on top of her it was like what what what, what? what it, you this? know what it felt like to me it felt like that scene in Age of Ultron where Ultron is attacking the Avengers in Tony's penthouse and Natasha pulls Bruce down behind a bar and Bruce like falls into her cleavage. It's that uh, that kind of like awkward awkward embarrassing and got, the filmmakers, people who write shows, it's not funny or no. cute or anything. It's really tropey and dumb and you didn't pull it off. Sorry. No. So, yeah, so then the other thing that I liked was I actually really liked Jason Wilkes. Jason so. was great. I love he was, was he was oh, alternately God. like super awkward but super I, smooth. I know, I know, right? That, that balance was really well done. He has really great delivery, that actor. I was like, Yeah, I really like you. Can I keep you? And I, I actually know. really liked his chemistry with Peggy in this. I did yes. I did, I didn't really go for the chemistry between Suza and Peggy here very much, but her chemistry with him was great. I was like, Oh, so I can get behind great. this. Why do we need a triangle? This is great. Maybe the kiss was too soon. That was like, what are you trying to throw everything at us? It's just it's just so that she can miss him or whatever. Yeah, it's because like, she can't miss him without making out with him, I guess. I know. It's like, Peggy's a good person. She would miss him anyway because she knows him. Duh. Yeah. Anyway. But he was great. His chemistry was like, yeah. His delivery was amazing. I was laughing. I was smiling my way through that episode. I really liked at the end where she loses him. She knows that the zero goo has taken him away and she's in shock. And before I think she was used to people not caring about her, but Susan's like, no, Peggy, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you all yeah. right? And it shocks her. And I really liked that moment where he cares about, about her, her as a person yeah. and not just as an agent. And I really thought that was a nice touch. Even if it's kind of overshadowed by the fact that this is like a like a romance thing. I'm just going to yeah. take it as a, you're a good chief. Great job. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's just pretend. Let's just pretend the whole thing. What did we happen. think about Whitney Frost? I like it. I like that the show has women villains and women heroes. So I don't know Whitney Frost very well, except for Hawkeye, where she was oh. the villain. But in the oh. volumes you didn't read, you didn't you didn't read Kate's volume, did you? Volume no. three. She's a villain in that one. She's also ah. a villain in the Iron Man comics that we're gonna read soon. So hold on, has 
what are you telling me? Are you telling me that she survives all the way to our centuries? I don't know what the MCU is going to do. It's a mystery. And we had this discussion the how the how the MCU is its own thing and not based on the comics. Yeah. So we got. I, I was I was thoroughly verbally spanked by KJ <laughs> over calling uh, MCU fanfic of comics when it's more yeah. more like a transformative work of okay. the comics. <laughs> Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that she was an actual person. Yeah, no, she's no. a character from... I mean, we actually got sent a link by... Was it Charles on Twitter about Will Simpson from Daredevil? And how he's a character from the comics, too. And oh. so, yeah. But I really... I mean, I really liked her like establishment as a villain here. I did, too. Because it's mostly just she's pissed at a bunch of white dudes making decisions. She's like, oh, God, what idiots. I know. <laughs> I know. I liked that. I always liked that, anyway. Towards the beginning of the episode, Thompson sends Peggy away after they capture Donnie and takes over that investigation himself. He is the impetus for her to go to L.A. And he's taking over Donnie's case, and he's interrogating her, and then the FBI, like, steps in and takes the case over from him. And he gets upset about it. But then we also see that conversation happen where we see the government wills being turned like we see like a larger picture beginning to form because the guy who's talking to thompson is saying the ssr is not part of the future it's not going to be here forever so now we're seeing the beginnings of what the government stepping away from the ssr and what becomes shield and shield becoming a thing like i think that's something they're starting to establish here but also hydra right mm-hmm. yeah i'm really curious to see where that goes i thought that was a nice touch, touch. even though thompson's Absolutely. still a dick and of course who didn't know that thompson's interrogation of dodgy would go so pear-shaped i mean because... it was odd. i mean hello how did he not is... know he's a white dude that's it was he like, he's going to sit in front of her, and I said, she's just going to use that table and suffocate you. I can tell right now from the start, because I can read her mind, unlike you, you <laughs> idiot fool. <laughs> and what about Jarvis? Did you like to see him, him again? He was kind of the comedic relief of this episode. He was very much. Yeah, so it was really strange. And the person who the got to be... With the, and the whole thing with the flamingo. What was that about? Maybe it's going to have a point later. It's probably going to have some kind of random point with Howard later. Maybe. I liked how Anna Jarvis actually became, like, super competent. She's like, here, I sold you this garter. It has a gun holster. She is great. She was lovely. I know I really liked how they got to have conversations between each other. Even if they are about the men, Jarvis and Jason Wilkes. But they still get to have talks and be friends. And I really like seeing that. Peggy has multiple women in her life now. I really enjoyed that aspect of the show. Even though they talked about men and discussed Jarvis and other guys, they also talked to each other about other things, about dresses. I liked that. That was nice when she helped Peggy getting dressed up. I'm really hopeful that the show is going to continue that trend. I really liked it. Out of all the things that happened in the show that I liked, that was my favorite one. She's got all these connections and she has these conversations with the women in her life. The secretary, the Violet, Susan's girlfriend, she ha- obviously has a conversation with her and eats all her cookies. Good job, Peggy. Never, never leave a cookie uneaten if it's offered. It did cross my mind that Violet might not be what she sins. 
I wonder if she's another black widow. Like Dot is. That you are you love conspiracy theories. I'm not gonna say one you might be right. I love villains, so You do. You might who knows? That could be a route they go. We'll get to see. And that could be interesting in a way, but could also be just lazy writing to solve the love triangle because let's make her the enemy and then Souza doesn't have to choose or there isn't But then that only really resolves one of them because Jason's going to totally come back and it's there's going to be half of well, it there. Yes, well, but then, you know, that's the drama there because then when he comes back, Peggy's already with Souza and then there is more drama because he's back and now what does she do because now she's with the guy that she wanted but maybe she doesn't want him anymore because she wants Jason and now all of a sudden this is, this is I don't even know what this is anymore. What a Can't, mess. Can we just go back to having her punching things? No, because we can't have a show of just her punching things. There's got to be other stuff happening, I guess. Ugh, God damn Something it. about character development. Ugh. <laughs> so we both really liked Agent Carter. We did, even though it sounds as though we had a lot of criticism. It's okay. You can like things that are troubling. So did you catch the premiere of Agent Carter Season 2? If you did, what did you think of it? If you haven't, it is available probably on iTunes for download because I got a season pass last year, so that's probably still a thing you can do, and it might be available on Hulu as well. So give it a watch and come and tell us what you think. That wraps up our segments for this week, and so now it's time to do some wrecks of things we love. Anna, you're up first. What you got for us? I have two things again. Of course. So, if you have been online lately, you probably heard about Making a Murderer. It's a true crime Netflix series, kind of like Serial, but more enraging even than Serial. So, if you liked Serial, you probably like this. It's binge-worthy. I've watched all 10 episodes in one night. What? I know. It, we just couldn't stop watching and we were raging at our television screen by the end of episode four. Welcome to America. It's mind-blowing. Again, just like with Serial, it's not much a case of saying this guy is innocent or is he guilty. It's more of a case of how the justice system fucks people up. And in case of Adnan, it's probably because he's a Muslim guy. In this case, it's because Avery is this poor, uneducated, white person. And it was just horrible to see how things turn out. So it's both very entertaining in the way that it's it makes you want to keep watching. It's a really well done documentary. The, the two directors who did this spent 10 years recording all of this and making this show and also because it's really thought-provoking in the way that the justice system is portrayed in the same vein i also watched immediately watching after watching making a murderer i watched a hbo miniseries six episodes called the jinx also based on a true crime story and that one was equally good it won a shitloads of Emmy Awards last year. 
it's been on it's it was on since march 2015 i had not heard of it until i watched making a murder and then lots of lists starting going up all over the place oh if you liked this watch this so i'm i'm doing the same if you liked serial and if you like making a murderer watch the jinx and vice versa for all of those three so highly recommend if you like true crime so basically you like true crime i think that yes you like true crime because this is the third thing you made me into this monster so a good opportunity folks if you have true crime wrecks for anna you should send them along Oh, maybe not. And oh, maybe unlike not. when we inflict lists on you, you can now turn around and inflict lists on her. It's the tables have turned now. Anna, what are you going to do? Nothing. You're going to watch powerless. the list roll in. Exactly. I want to watch. I actually do want to watch and not read. I don't want to read true crime, but I want to watch more. I've already watched the, 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 the three of Memphis. Is that how it's called? The, the no. Memphis three. West. Yes, the West of Memphis is the name of the documentary. It's really good. I watched the Central Park Five, and there is something else that apparently it, the Thin Blue Line. Thea recommended that to me. I think I'm gonna watch that next. It's also on Netflix. She may not want to read true crime, but if you have true crime books, you can also send them. I'm here too. I read things. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, people, send all the recommendations of books to Renee. Thank you. What about you? What What is your recommendation? So I have been walking a lot and listening to a bunch of podcasts. So I would like to wreck another podcast. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> it is a comedic political podcast by BuzzFeed. It is great. I'm a white person and I'm listening to these two black women talk and I'm just, I'm, they're like white people and I'm just nodding. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. I'm nodding along with these women. They're so smart. It's called Another Round by Heaven and Tracy. It's great. They have fascinating guests and they talk about really relevant things. They also drink a lot and they're super funny when they do it. They have this drunken debate segment where they get drunk and then they debate a, a noun. And I was listening to one of their drunken debates as I was walking in public. And I laughed so hard, I had to stop. Because if I hadn't stopped, I would have fallen down. And I was just the loon laughing at the top of a hill in public over this podcast. (laughs) It's so good. And Tracy tells bad jokes. They're fantastic. I really really recommend this podcast. (laughs) I am on iTunes right now. Download the first three. There, it's uh, so good. It's not just funny either. You'll learn so much, and it's really life altering. And in a lot of ways, it was really great to get to listen to these two women talk about their experiences in culture and life. And they talk about their college years a lot and how that affected them. It's just really, really good. I've learned a lot of neat things. And their guests are always super delightful. I really think that if you have a commitment to challenging your perspective of the world, you'll listen to a podcast like this. It doesn't even have to be this podcast, but I think this is great because it's also really funny and irreverent. And it will teach you something about like a non-white perspective if you happen to be white or whatever you may be. If you're not a black woman, this is an amazing podcast to listen to. It will teach you so many things. 
Uh, also, they don't like squirrels. So if you are also a fellow squirrel hater, you should check this out because uh, that's their team, anti-squirrel. I thought you liked squirrels. As long as they're in the neighbor's yard, yes. Well, what about Squirrel Girl? That doesn't count. She's Why a not? Su- she's a superhero. I'm sure that I'm sure that Habit and Tracy would appreciate Squirrel Girl because she isn't all up in their attics chewing through their wires. Okay, she's too that. busy. You yeah. don't know. Yes, that. I do because Maybe she, she is, is. She is too busy defeating Doctor Doom in like two punches. Give me a break. Mm, maybe you have a point there. Exactly. Well, Anna, we made it to the end of another episode. Go I us! Just, I can't believe it. That was wow. It was. It was. It was something. It was, it was something. It was something that our listeners aren't going to know about because they weren't <laughs> behind the scenes. But guys, trust us. It was. It was something. That was a CSI incident. You it was not. Not pretty. <laughs> no. So thanks for listening to us, guys, and we will see you uh, next episode. Bye. Bye. Fangirl Happy Hour is created by Anna Grillo and me, Renee Williams. I am also our producer. You can find links and all lists of books that we recommended on the podcast today on our show page at fangirlhappyhour.com. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com with questions or true crime recommendations. You are allowed to include books. You can find us on social media at Tumblr, Facebook, and Goodreads at Fangirl Happy Hour. One long word no spaces. We have a newsletter, and it's going to be fantastic, so subscribe today at fangirlhappyhour.com. You can chat with us on Twitter at Fangirl Podcast. You can also catch us on our personal accounts. Anna is at Booksmugglers, and I'm at Renee. Our music is by Boxcat Games, and our logo is by Ira, who you can commission at justera.tumblr.com. For both myself and Anna, thanks for listening. See you next episode. Speaking of squirrels, a squirrel almost gave me a heart attack this morning. I think you were right. I think they are pests. We should all hate them. I was walking down the road and then one squirrel just crossed the road and there was a car coming. I was like, oh my God, little squirrel. And then he just crossed in front of me and I, was like, and I kept imagining, what if the car had hit that squirrel and that squirrel would have flown and hit me in the face and I would have died. <laughs> That's what's kept me going through my head. Squirrel projectiles. As I walked to In work. Cambridge. Exactly. Yes. You know, they are everywhere here. It could happen.